The following program is a PBS Wisconsin original production. Hi, I'm Angela Fitzgerald, and this is Why Race Matters. Civic engagement isn't as simple as asking the Black community to vote. For some, it feels like their voices and concerns only matter when their vote counts. Policies and issues that are important to us are talked about, but rarely come to pass. In this episode, we'll sit down with grassroots activist and coalition leader Tatiana Benson. We'll discuss different forms of activism, what their coalition is doing to get politically engaged, and why race matters when we talk about it. Thank you for joining us today, Tatiana. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) So tell us your story and what has brought you to the place that you do the work that you do. Um, Well, I... um... I'm the youngest of 10 children, and uh, like I, my mom has like a really big heart, so we've always been, like all 10 of us have always been like involved in our community by like helping however we can and just trying to like support people. And then, uh, I don't know, we, I just continue <laughs> wanting to help people. Like, you know, like if you grow up always with the idea like, when you can help help then like it's it like stays with you okay and so what is that well before I get into what that looks like now I will say I was first introduced to you in the work you were doing within your high school so tell us about your your role within your black student union um well um I didn't technically have a leadership role but like I did because I just like um going there for four years I was like sort of a token for the like administration so I would always get opportunities to like go certain places that I know other students that looked like me didn't really get offered those opportunities and I also had found out that my school was like um the like the racial makeup of our school looked completely different than what I thought it was like oh, what was um it? like the the school only had about 50 percent white students and I was a student there and I thought it had like 80% white students because the way our, our classes were set up, because I took a lot of AP classes and often I'd be the only black student in my class. So I just started like knowing things like that made me start to see like the disparities that existed within my school. So it made me want to like do something about it and like just try to like bring out the black voice from our school more because you really only saw black students when they were playing sports. So So what are some of the things you all did to accomplish that goal of uplifting black student voices? Um, Well, we first, um, the entire BSUs, uh, we put we sat together to plan like some events to do during February, during Black History Month. Um, We also just did our best to try to recruit more students to come to BSU in the first place, because like. Sometimes you'll have students who don't show up, but, like, they're not really doing anything, so why not come? <laughs> like, you could be here with us. Yeah. You know, sort of just trying to grow family family and build community. Awesome. And so what kind of resulted from the work that you all put in at that time? And that was, like, a year ago, two years ago? Uh, I think two years ago now. Um, well, I know that today, like, sometimes I still talk to some of, like, the students that were younger than me because, like, you do sort of build a community and you care about what those students are going to do after they graduate high school. Like, you just want to look out for each other. And and I think that's important because when you look at the Madison community, like, outside of, like, just my high school, like, the black community is, like, separated. 
So it's nice um, that like, at least I built some connections uh, to grow a bigger community. Awesome. Okay. So you did all this important work at your high school because like you said, there was a there was representation, but it somehow wasn't translating into like AP courses or other spaces. So you're like, I want to see my community reflected outside of just athletics within my school. And so fast forwarding to today, tell us about the work that you do around civic engagement, still uplifting black boys, however you want to define it. Um, so I'm part of a grassroots organization, Black Umbrella, and our goal is uh, black liberation. And we think that you can get there through um, community support, development, and basically just like freedom for the people, you know? And so um, with that, we do a lot of work with, uh, Madison has a really big, uh, like homeless disparities. And um, so we do a lot of work with like feeding people who sleep outside and trying to provide them with housing. And then we also plan a lot of uh, marches um, to bring awareness to different things that are going on in like legislation or just in politics in general. And uh, we do a lot of calling out of um, like representatives that we elected um, and don't really, they don't really represent the people or speak for us or, or try to fix any issues that exist. So we do a lot of like calling them out and like giving them the work that, that is needed to like make a difference. Like, so it's important, like, when you call out politicians to also show them, like, this is what needs to be, be do done, not just, like, being like, do something. Right. And they're, like, figuring it out, but it may not be the approach that you all are seeing is what's yeah. necessary. So why do you think that work is important here specifically? Because you're born and raised here, and you're still here. Yeah. So you maybe recognize, like, okay, I'm here for a reason. There's some work that needs to be done. So just tell us more about that. Um, so I think personally for me, I'm still in Madison because I think that it needs a lot of help. <laughs> so I think that if you if you have the space and, and the will to help something, help it. And um, uh, I think that uh, Madison needs that work because there's really bad uh, like achievement gap in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, there's like there's a lot of racial disparities that exist in like our area specifically. And then you look at Wisconsin abroad and, you know, uh, you think about Milwaukee's education uh, system and how underfunded it is. Um, yeah. So you look at things like that. And the, yeah, there's just a lot of work that needs to be done in Wisconsin. I specifically because a lot of times the Midwest gets a rep of like a, I don't, a liberal utopia. And so I always tell people that Wisconsin is like cold Mississippi. You know, there's some <laughs> things that you love about it, but it has some real, real issues that need to be like fixed. We are in a cold Mississippi. I mean, especially now I feel that because I'm cold physically. But interesting that like this, I think like the South, when you think about the South, you think about segregation. You think about organizations like the KKK. You think about like really overt in your face, like racism. Yeah. And here, I don't think we get that sort of recognition. Well, like you said, we're seen as, especially like Madison, we're seen yeah. as liberal. Like those things don't happen here. And you're saying like, it does just in a colder temperature. I guess I'm wondering, how does that feel to you? And I'm asking that because um, in having these conversations, one of them was with a mental health professional. And we were talking about how like there's just trauma, right, that black people have had to experience in general. But on top of having to deal with the trauma of being black in America, being black in Wisconsin, 
you're also a lot of us like you are like on the front lines trying to bring about change. So like, like, how does that feel to you? Because you're ultimately just trying to live. You're trying to be a college student, do your thing. But then you're like, yeah, you know, so, so it's um, I'd call it like a, a win lose sometimes because um, like it feels good to to um, I don't know. I, I would say rebel, not just like um, like I am making a difference, but in that making a difference, you know, black people are sort of taught like uh, you got a few options, like you do that or you don't do anything. Like you, and, and so when you you do the opposite of what like society is telling you to do, that is like a form of rebellion, and it it feels it feels good because you know black people aren't free in America, and rebelling against like authority feels like kind of like freedom, you know. But then you're doing important work and it's it's stressful and it's a lot to take on. Um, uh, I didn't, when I started like, I don't know, just helping people, no part of me thought like, oh, I'm gonna be a part of a leader of an organization. People are gonna uh, know who I am. So like, like, so when you get that pressure, then it does like, sometimes it feels like, dang, I'm 19, like, <laughs> let me breathe. But it's also like someone has to do something. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're like, you're right. Like you have to do something because ultimately not doing anything means what for you? Like it means that you're not able to experience yeah. the type of life that you want, the type of life that you want, you know, your friends and your family to have. So. And you brought up trauma and it's like, if you don't do anything, aren't you just sort of sitting in trauma and pain? Um, but doing something, you're like doing, you're actively trying to heal yourself and your entire community. Which is, yeah, that's like the ongoing work, right? And especially, I think, in a, a city like Madison, a state like Wisconsin, where there isn't necessarily visible community or visible social outlets you can easily gravitate towards to help, like, okay, when I'm taking a break from my liberation work, I'm going to go recharge. You may not have those recharge stations like you would if you were in a D.C., in Atlanta, yeah. in other places. So that can be, that can take a toll where you're like, I can't just be in certain spaces. I have yeah. to either be like working or, you know, maybe facing other things that aren't so pleasant. So like, it's appreciated that someone like you who could just be living the kickback regular college student experience is like, yeah, I'm a college student, but I have this responsibility as well. Right. Like that's that's so much appreciated. So I guess what would be the ideal for you as someone who, again, born and raised here, committed to doing work here to create a state that you want to see, that you want other people to experience? Like, what would that ideal look like in a perfect world? You know, this is actually a question <laughs> I'm asked a lot. And I always feel slightly bad for my answer because uh -oh, it's like okay. not the one that people are looking for. <laughs> OK, but um Maybe it's because I look at things too deep sometimes, but, you know, I I couldn't tell you what that looks like. I don't know what justice looks like. <laughs> I don't know if black people know what justice looks like in general. Have we ever really gotten it? So I couldn't tell you what a just world looks like or feels like. Um, I just know that this isn't it. So I can't tell you what a good Wisconsin looks like. I just know that th this, what we have right now, doesn't feel like it's right so it just needs to be be better i mean that's a perfect answer like <laughs> i don't see that as being a wrong answer because you're right we maybe are upholding an ideal that we don't even we've never seen modeled yeah so how do you aspire to something that you don't even know what that looks like yeah. right so wow 
So, I mean, given that and given those who will be watching this, either can like relate because they're they're doing the work too or have been impacted by some of the, the systems and things you all are trying to overturn or those who are like, wow, this is something I'm hearing for the first time, didn't know that there were people like you that felt this way or were like committed to this work in this way. What do you want either audience to take away from this conversation? Um, that... <laughs> Honestly, if you're doing nothing or, or you're not even like actively trying to to do something like because I'm not saying that not everybody can do everything. But if you're not actively trying to do your part, because I think everyone can play a role in, in fixing and fixing America, Wisconsin, Madison, everyone can play a role. And so I think that the takeaway is just that, like, do something like because if you're not, then you're really, if you're not, you're, you don't care. And that, that hurts to think that people wouldn't care about other people living happy lives. You know, that's a super good point. And I, I love that you said do something because I think liberation work is framed as like you're protesting, you're marching, but there are things even outside of yeah. that, that people can do if that's not their lane. Like, that's great. You appreciate those who do that. But like, what are even some other things that people are, could think to do that maybe they have not considered? Like, what would you suggest? Um, so uh, when I'm not marching, uh, <laughs> a lot of what I'm doing is I'm looking at uh, different uh, laws that are trying to get passed so that you can know what's actually going on, attending um, city council meetings and things like that, because... Uh, or like when pol like the police go over um, their budget and stuff like that. Like you, I think it's important for the community to actually go to these because we have access to these conversations. So we actually need to participate in them so we can know what's going on in our city. Because sometimes, sometimes you'll you'll be voting and you'll see a thing that you, you're like, what is this? I don't right. even know. <laughs> like, and, and and how do you make a, an, an educated decision if you don't even know who these people are or what this is talking about. So I think it's important to do that. Um, you can demand justice without protesting. Um, write letters to your, your state representatives, things like that. So there are loads of options. Yeah. So Tatiana, um, I'm interested in your thoughts around voting, specifically the messaging that is typically put out there for Black people to get out and vote, you know, those of us who still have that ability to do so. Um, because that's also kind of couched with the opinion of some that either their vote doesn't matter or like the lack of enthusiasm around voting because of who the options are. So what are your thoughts on just that topic in general? So um, when I wasn't able to vote, actually, <laughs> I'm only 19. <laughs> um, so when I wasn't able to vote, I was I used to preach to people like vote. You have to vote every every election, every time you had to vote because because people fought and died for us to be able to vote. Like um, our, our ancestors didn't, you know, take that just for us to not vote, um, you know. And, and then when I was able to vote, I, uh, I started thinking about the fact that like, like that is hard. Like I get it's my civic duty, but isn't it a civic duty to like give me something to actually vote for? Um, because, you know, and then I started thinking like our ancestors fought and died for us to be able to vote, to have the right to vote. And, and I actually, I think it's a form, <laughs> I think it's a form of oppression to, to tell people that they have to vote even when there's nobody representing something that, 
that represents them. You know, um, I think that the the two party system that has been created by corporate backing um, forces has forced um, black people in America to to feel like a last resort is a real option. And I don't think that a last resort is a real option because I shouldn't be voting for somebody that has out loud and open like been like, oh, like, no, I don't support things that I that I support to my core. Like that's I just don't think that that's fair to um, be asked to yeah to participate in everything that d doesn't actually participate in my life. Like to to ask me and then people will be like, oh, you're voting for a lesser evil like. Why do I have to vote for evil right. at all? <laughs> Why are those the only options? Uh, now, I would say that it's important for for everyone to vote every election because there's always multiple things on a ballot. And so you don't know what you might be missing just because the main thing on the ballot isn't something that... Write somebody in, you know? like And don't make it a joke either. Don't like write in some a joke. Like If you want to write your mom's name down because you truly think she could rule this country, uh, run this country better than somebody else, then like right. do that. Or, or if you you want to put down someone you know who who won't get enough votes, but you truly believe that they'd be a better governor for your state, then that's who you should who you should vote for. You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't feel vote, forced to give your vote to somebody who has has done nothing to to earn it. Wow. So it's a conversation that's bigger than just get out and vote. I mean, registering is great. Practicing that right is great. But it's beyond that and more of the representation piece. And then, like, what are the issues? And if those things aren't there, then, yeah. like, you may be encouraging people to essentially, like, waste something that's been so, like, valuable and that's been fought for, like, for yeah. so long. And 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 the more... And the more that you vote, because it's funny to say, because like I'm saying, like, you don't have to vote if it's like it's not supporting you. But the more that you vote, the more that more you'll start seeing things on the ballots that that support what you're trying to say. The more you'll start actually seeing things that represent your voice. Thank you for that. That's a great perspective because you're right. It tends to just stop with go out and vote. Yeah. And not with. What are you voting for? Even understanding the issues yeah. that you could be voting for. So once you are able to vote, like these are the things that these people stand for and breaking it down so people understand what they are, et cetera. Because, um, yeah, there have been even things I've seen on ballots. And I'm like, I don't even know what this word means. Yeah. <laughs> like with all the degrees that I have, I don't know what this is, but these are the choices. And I got to I feel like I need to check one just because it's there. But no one's defined this for me. It's been worded in a way that feels very complicated. Um, so that can feel like off-putting for people and a barrier to doing exactly what we're encouraging them to do. So then it's how do you move the needle within a city that, you know, has an estate that has all of these challenges to get other options on the ballot yep. so that people then feel excited and motivated to vote for people that are really going to represent their issues. Because even if everybody like did a write-in and nobody really wrote in the same thing, like that would still, people, that would be news. People would be like, That's there were more write-in votes than votes <laughs> for the... That's a good yeah. point. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of that being the case. There were more write-ins than because, because I guess the message, like you said, is always vote. You know, so people are like, okay, I just gotta, I gotta vote for something that's on here. You know, so that's interesting to think about. Like, what would be the outcome if you know a different, a different set of actions were taken? But ultimately, you're right. We do need to make sure that those on the ballot do reflect the true issues that people in our community have if they are being encouraged to select from that ballot. 
So Tatiana, you mentioned earlier the two-party system that we operate within um, and how it may not be the best system, especially for those who feel as though they have to choose between like two evils, maybe one lesser than the other. So just wanted your thoughts about whether or not that is what we should be encouraging people to do, like to figure out a way to, to navigate through an existing system that is imperfect, or should we be taking a step back and addressing the system as is and possibly dismantling and building something new? What do you think? Okay, so um, with my organization, we, we, we work to do both. So because this is the system that exists right now in the society that we live in, we work to fix it through its channels. Um, but as me personally, as a, I don't know if you ever heard of Afro pessimism. I have. We're yes. talking about that in one of my classes now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, I don't believe that black people can be free in the society that we live in. Um, so it's it's a big thing to to question the the entire foundation of our country. But when you think about it, our entire foundation of our country was written and created and built on the back of black people. We were never meant to to thrive or succeed in the system that we live in. It wasn't created to support us either. So, so uh, I do think that people need to step back and question the system as it exists because because at the end of the day, that's gonna be what the question is at some point. Right now, people are just holding off. I think that radical change scares people. And so they they look for all last resorts, like what I was talking about. Like every we we keep we keep trying to like, okay, how can we do this? How can we do that? But the truth is is that you can't fix something that's not broken. You just can't. So no matter how much you, you, you change it, at the end of the day, you will, just like that book, um, The New Jim Crow, you will always see a new system emerge that is, that is meant to, to hold, to oppress people. Like, it'll, it will always show up in a society that was created to oppress people. So you have to, you have to change it and fix it. You know, and when you say destroy the system, people get really scared. Um, I remember I said that, I actually said that on the news before, and I got a bunch of like comments and like basically hate comments. I was getting hate mail. And people were like, you can't expect people to support you by saying stuff like destroy, like this is our country, you know, like you should feel love for it. And I do feel love for this country. That's why I want to destroy the evil that lives within it. And that's what... That's that's the system right. we live in. That's and so so to tell me that I don't love America as much as you because I have a problem with the way that it's shaped doesn't make sense because I would just leave. Right. It's if also contradictory, right? Yeah. Because America was founded on destruction. So how are you saying now destroy is a bad thing when that's yeah. how we came to be? How can you how can <laughs> I always tell people that to expect to expect me to to feel like I'm loved in this society in this country is ridiculous, you know. Um, to 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 try to fix a system that literally was started by stealing land and stealing people is a ridiculous idea to ever think that like this could be a just system when it was literally like the Constitution was written to make these things okay, but they're not. So. There is no justice in that. Like, and you think about the Constitution, and it's all written about separating power. Like, that's, that's what the Constitution is. It separates power. 
And then and then they had to add on the Bill of Rights, which is the people, you know? So it's like, <laughs> so we live in secondary. a free, yeah. <laughs> like this is supposed to be a free society. This is a free society, but but the laws, the laws we created for the people to govern themselves came after we decided how we were gonna divide power among the rich elites. Like that doesn't even make sense. But it does make sense. <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense when we think about where we are now and how oh, we're like in the place historically where we're like, that's really being challenged. And that's people are afraid of, to your point, right? People are afraid of something new, but we've never reconciled where we came from. So people are trying to say, hey guys, you recognize that like historically, this is why we are where we are. Can we acknowledge that? in the hopes of building something new and moving forward. Um, but you're absolutely right. Thank you. Like you just dropped some major knowledge right now. That was like a class. Like seriously, that was like a graduate level class, which you just described very like succinctly um, why we're in the place that we are and why someone like you gets the pushback that you get. When you're simply trying to uplift these very salient points, people understand like at one point in time, we weren't even considered human. So if we have recently are still, well, not even recently, like we're still fighting for humanity, hence Black Lives yeah. Matter. Like that's the same argument as when we were considered three fifths of a person. It's the same thing, just in written in a different form. Yeah. So that's why people are, are doing the things that you're discussing, like questioning whether or not I can even vote for something that's for my best interest if my humanity is still a question mark in your mind. If you've never acknowledged me as being equal to you, then how can I trust you with my vote? And you also think about how, how it works. Like when you, you want to add an amendment to, to fix something, you like add an amendment to fix something, but the old, the old rules are still written in there. Like you don't just take them out. Right. You know, so, 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 so somewhere it's still written that black people are three-fifths of a person. <laughs> right. But then we decided that they'll be awarded the same laws as people who are fully human. Like, we never unwritten the fact that black people were three-fifths of a person. Like, it's never been unwritten. You can't unwrite it. You get what I'm saying? So, like, I remember one time I was talking about, well, some, I didn't even bring it up. But someone was like, we need to take that, like, it needs to be just taken out. Like, it shouldn't even be there. And then someone was like, but what about the history in that? And it's like, wow, yeah. like history matters more to you than me telling you that it's, <laughs> it <laughs> that makes me wrong. uncomfortable that our country is it's written in law that I'm three-fifths as a person. Like, That is so, so, so true. Wow. And I feel like there's a lot there even around, well, where do you even start with dismantling something that foundationally was wrong to begin with? And that's honestly not taught. Right? You think about civics, right? You think about all the things you describe. Like, when do we learn that? Aside from maybe the time we take amongst ourselves, or maybe a high school civic class, maybe we get something there where we learn about the different branches of government. But we're not taught to do things that intentionally the powers that be don't want us to do. That's why it's interesting to me to see with the current movement that we're in, what results. And maybe that the manifestation of those results aren't gonna be seen like next year or the year after. But I'm very curious to see what the ripple effect will be um, in the hopes that there will be change. I know there are criticisms around like, oh, this is not gonna do anything because historically people maybe haven't seen the gains that they've wanted, but we do need to acknowledge like it's doing something. So if we just keep at it, there's a hope that it will. Just never stop. That's the difference. Like every other movement stops. You know, you say the civil rights era. Right. If we never got all our rights, why'd we ever stop? <laughs> right. You know, like right. see, that's 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 the important thing that people don't give up. You know, it's getting cold outside. You, we keep talking like it's freezing right now. And and but I was still outside yesterday for the protest. Like you have to make sure that 
you are willing to give your all to actually see the changes that you want. Whew, that is so true. So it's not a convenience thing. It's not a when it's nice outside, I'll go protest. But we're going to yeah. take a break <laughs> during the winter months, you guys. Like, what does it mean to really stay committed to something for decades, if that's what it takes yeah. to bring about that change? Wow. Thank you for that, Tatiana. Representation is on the rise politically within the Black community. In 2020, a record number of Black women ran for Congress. It's a small step, but an important one. The more representation we have, the more likely policies that positively affect our communities get passed. There's no doubt that race matters when we talk about engagement, but maybe it's time to stop lecturing certain communities to vote and start asking how to earn their vote instead. For more info on why race matters and to hear and watch other episodes, visit us online at pbswisconsin.org slash whyracematters. Funding for Why Race Matters is provided by CUNA Mutual Group, Park Bank, Alliant Energy, Madison Museum of Contemporary Art, Focus Fund for Wisconsin Programming, and Friends of PBS Wisconsin. <laughs>